Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 17 is where we're going to uh, be hanging out for today. And, uh, and then we're going to read a few other verses, also Psalms 84, uh, 6. And uh, I'm going to read Psalms 84, 6 uh, first, and then uh, actually also John 16, 33. So three verses. Uh, hopefully that will be enough for you to, to fight the devil off in your life and run wildly into your future. Amen? John chapter 16, verse number 33. Let's start there. I have told you these things. Now, this is Jesus talking. So that in me, you may have peace. I love that he puts in that, in me, you may have peace. Not in a new job, not in a new car, not in uh, everything working out, but in God alone, you will have peace. Now, now, let me let you know this. You will not have peace inside of all those other things. Even the things that you think will bring you peace. If, if I got a witness out there to anybody that, that has the car that was hoping that would bring the peace, how many guys found out the car brought more problems? Or, or I'm just saying car for the sake of being nice, but I'm just saying, you know, you, you, you're like, man, I'm tired of being single. I want to get married. And then you got married and then now the peace is not there. You know, or you, you, you know, you, you wanted the thing and then the, now the peace is not there because now you got to pay for it. So the only thing that I've found that you can find true peace in is in Jesus Christ alone. He says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace in me. In this world, you will have <laughs> trouble. I got a witness that have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Another version says you will have many troubles. Like he, he says, they're going to have a few, more than a couple. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so today, today I just want to dive into this thought. And, and, and uh, you know, I love the Bible because I've said this a few times, but the Bible isn't like Christians. You know, I'm hoping to become like the Bible, uh, but, but the Bible puts it all out there. Like, it, it's not PG, it's not edited. You know what I'm saying? You got, the, you got the edited diss track. This is not the edited diss track. This is like all of it out there. This is everything on the line. This is not, this is not rehearsed. This is not, this is not, oh, here's the version we want them to hear. The Bible is very explicit. It, it, it puts out the things that Christians won't tell you, that sometimes church won't tell you. And so I love diving into it because our lives are explicit. Our lives are, are real. And, and, and so I love reading the Bible because, you know, you go to church and Christians, you know, you say, how, how you doing? And everyone's doing good, you know, everyone's doing great. And, and, and you know, you look at Instagram and everyone's doing awesome. And, uh, you know, man, I had, to, I had to go off Instagram for a little while just to just to detox because I started finding myself, putting myself in competition with everybody that was kind of like me. And, and I had to just say, you know what? I, I need to learn how to be me again. I need to learn how to be okay with the other parts in the picture that I've been cutting out. Right? I need to be okay with the unfiltered version of myself because the God of the universe cannot touch the filtered me. He wants to touch the real me. And he can handle the real me. Turn your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't handle all this. But, but God can. I'm just telling you, that your neighbor can't handle it. But God can. 
And, 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 and we know that because here's these people in the Bible. This is the unfiltered, you know, we see David on a roof looking at something he shouldn't look at, right? We, we see him also killing a giant. So, so he had great exploits for God and great explicit moments that if, if, David, if it were up to David, he probably would have said, say, how are you doing? David's like, I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did that, but I'm doing good. Praise God. I'm, you know, and, and so I love the Bible because it opens it up. And, it, and, and this is what we're doing in this series. We're saying, look, we're, we're not just going to talk about the mountains. We will talk about the mountains or the hills. But we're, we're going to talk about the valleys. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about some things, that, some real stuff that we're walking through. It would be nice if we could live in the hills, right? We, we can live in the hills. That would be awesome. We, we can stay on the mountain, in a sense, in the good times. And we never had to walk through sickness. We never had to walk through depression. We never had to face fear again. We, we just worship with Jesus. And, you know, one day we will be in heaven, and that will be the mountain. But while we're on this earth, how many guys know we also have to, we have to walk through, we get to walk through hills, thank God for the hill moments, but we also have to walk through valleys. And today I want to take you to a valley, and this valley is called the Valley of Weeping. Now that doesn't sound exciting, but, but again, we're going to be real. And if, if you've been weeping a lot in the valley, I want to give you a promise today that you could leave out of this place encouraged that God is not just the God of the hills. And he's not just the God of what we found out, the, the valley of giants last week, or, or, or the valley of fruit, grasshopper, and giants, but he's also the valley of weeping. He's, he, he, with those, he, the Bible says that God weeps with those who weep. If you're in here and you've been crying a lot, God has not only been collecting your tears, but he's been weeping with those who weep. And, and let me tell you this, my God never wastes a tear. He never wastes the hurt. He never wastes the pain. So if you've been walking through some stuff, you've been crying some tears, I want to tell you a promise that God is going to use your tears to propel you into what he has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. First, uh, Second Samuel, uh, and we're going to read Psalms real quick. Psalms 84, 6 says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. Now... I just want you to breathe that in for a second. If you're in the valley of weeping, God is going to, he's going to transform the place of weeping into a place of refreshing. How, how many would like that? How many would say, man, that would, that would be awesome because I'm, I'm crying over this thing and there's a lot of tears. Now, now we're about to find out about a man who, 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 who God said yes to and then he said no to. And so I want to tell you this, that sometimes God says yes. And sometimes he says no, but, but obedience is the key. And, and let me say this. Sometimes we put ourselves into valleys of tears, not by God's choosing. And sometimes God allows us to walk through valleys of tears. Do I have anyone in here who said, man, there was a point where I put myself into a valley of tears. I made some decisions to, to do partial obedience with my life. And because of that partial obedience, I ended up in a place of weeping. And, 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 you know, in that valley, repentance is the key. Saying, God, I, I missed it. I made a mistake. And, and the good thing is, God is a God of forgiveness. When I was 19 years old and I had, I had missed it and I was in a valley of weeping. And I made the mistake. I, I had 
I had obedience, but it was delayed partial obedience, which is not obedience. And I ended up in a bad place, and, and I heard the voice of God speak to me. And he said, Jeremy, I am the God of the second chance. And I want to tell you today, if you put yourself in this valley, like you made the wrong decisions and now you're broke, right? You know what I'm saying? Some people are broke and that's where God has you. But some people are broke because of their choice to not be obedient. Some, some people are, 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 are sick because the, the, of the way they lived. Like they're not sick because this is the valley God allowed them to walk through. They, they ate the things. That they, they did the things. They didn't take care of themselves. They, 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 they did the things that hurt them. And now in this place is a place that we need to repent and say, God, hey, forgive me. Hey, I, I want to walk in your forgiveness. Now, now, a story that I don't have time to go into that, that would be that story would, would be the story of after the walls of Jericho. You know, you know the story where the people of God come in, their first battle they face are the walls of Jericho. They march around the walls, the walls come down, and, and, and they win. But God says this is the first city on the way to the promised land. And, and the first fruit of 10, and the first one, I want it all. God says, everything that's in there, women, children, cattle, gold, jackets, whatever, whatever comes up from winning this amazing city of Jericho, it's mine. You give it to me as an offering, and then you can have the rest, right? This is kind of what God does with our finances. He says, look, I want the first of your fruits. And, and we can either do partial obedience, which is 9%. 9.9% or, or we don't do first fruits. We give we, we first go pay everything we need to pay. And then if we have leftovers, we give to God. Well, well, partial obedience is disobedience, right? So this is what the people of God do. They, they, so, so one guy out of the whole group sees a jacket he likes in Jericho and he sees $150 of gold and he hides it in his tent. He tells his family, he hides it under his tent. They go to face the next army, which is the second one they will take on, called AI. And AI is a smaller army, and they get beaten down so bad that 38 of their friends lose their lives. Joshua was like, what in the world? Where would God go? And God says, there's sin in the camp. In other words, there's partial obedience. There's, there's, he, he didn't take all of it. He left some of it for me. But I asked you to give me all of the first city. And so, and so he, they cast lots, or they, they just basically flip the coin, in a sense, to find out who this was. The thing lands on this dude. He calls him out. Of, look, there's a difference between being convicted by the Holy Spirit and being called out. <laughs> the Holy Spirit calls this dude out. He comes forth, and he goes, it's you. Really? Over a jacket and $150? God's going to give us the promised land. And you couldn't give him 10%? You couldn't give him the first? God's going to give it all. And so what happens, they take this guy outside the camp and they stone him to death and his family and his camels and his donkeys. And they burn all this stuff he stole. They don't even keep it. They burn it in a pile. This, this is, this is, if you got yourself into that valley of weeping, you're weeping because you got caught. Then God didn't bring you there. Stop blaming God for being there. It is not God's fault you are in that valley. But God will meet you and make payment in that place. I wonder what would happen if you would say, you know what? I am so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Here it is. You can have it, God. I wonder if the heart of the Father would have moved on that day and he would not have faced death. I wonder if right now, where you're at, even if you got yourself here, if you just said, God, I, I screwed up. I, God, forgive me. I missed it. I had 
partial delayed obedience. I know my father is the God of the second chance. But that's not the case that we're going to read about today. Because there is a valley of weeping that you take yourself to. But there is a valley of weeping that God will take you to. Did you know that pain is a part of the process? That through the pain that we walk through, God brings a promise in our life? That is not to put yourself in pain. And God doesn't create the pain. But God allows the pain to make purpose in your destiny. God allows the pain. Sometimes we want the pain to leave. We, we would love, I'd love, I don't know if you'd love, but I'd love to walk through life without pain. <laughs> that would be awesome. Until you find out that there are people that live in this world without pain. Not emotional pain, but because that doesn't exist. But people are born into this world without being able to feel physical pain. Did you know their life expectancy is really short? Because they don't feel pain. They don't know which way to go. What to touch, what they can't touch. Did you know that pain is actually a gift? As soon as you feel pain, think about the first person that ever felt pain. Caveman in the middle, I don't know, whatever. He's, he's sitting there, all of a sudden, he, his wife's cooking, and she goes, this knife doesn't work. Will you cut? And he's trying to cut, and he just cuts his finger off. All of a sudden, he's freaking out. There's pain for the first time, and he doesn't know what to do. What does he do? Keep cutting. No. If he keeps cutting, he's going to die. He stops, because the pain will stop you. Pain will make you pause in your tracks. Pain will make you go, man, I can't, can't keep going this way. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop, collaborate, and listen. I got I to gotta stop, drop, and roll. I'm on fire. There's sometimes in our life where God allows pain so we'll stop and go, I can't keep going this way. I can't keep just living. I got I to gotta solve this. The caveman goes, I got to figure this out. What, what stops pain? He's trying things. He's testing things. He's putting leaves on it. The leaf hurt more. He puts dirt on it. He's like, oh, God, that was worse. Dips it in the water. All of a sudden, the water purifies it. But it's not healed. So he's finding his process in the, in the promise as he's walking through the process himself. And he's discovering what heals. Oh, this tree, this sap, this, this thing brings healing. And pretty soon, before you know it, his finger starts healing. How has he found healing unless he was hurt? And now he knows how to tell others. His wife hurts her arm. She goes, don't worry. Don't, don't rub it in that. Don't put it in that. Don't dip it in that. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. I found some healing over here. And this thing always works. See, that's what happened when you found Jesus. You, you found the antidote to every situation. You found not just Savior, but you found Lord and when you, when you discovered that, you had to tell everybody because, because it's, it's horrible to, to know the antidote, yet watch people die around you. And sometimes God will allow you to walk through pain so you have the antidote, so you know the answer, so you can be the leader amongst the hurting. And David was that kind of man. David knew pain. Lots of pain. He was rejected by every level in every circumstance. Yet he was a worshiper. Yet he loved his God. Yet he did not get, grow weary of people, although people kept hurting him. He loved the hurting. He loved the broken because he himself 
was just broken. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 begins to tell us the story of David. And it's a story when God said yes, and then he said no. And he took David, not because of David's wrongdoings, but because of his plan for his life through the valley of weeping. And some of you have been trying to figure out why you're in the valley of weeping like you did something wrong to be here. Like you missed doing something right and God is punishing you. And we do not have a God that punishes his people. We have a God that punishes the sin that has been destroying us. We have a God that punishes the hate and the rage and the anger. We have a God that sets you free, not binds you up. So if you're in pain today, it's either something you need to repent of or something he's changing in you as you walk through it. But know in both places, he will never leave you. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse number 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized some of their forces. What does it say? All of their forces. When they heard he was anointed to be king, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. He got a secret uh, on, 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 the, on the people coming against him. And so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and they spread out across the valley of Rephaim, which, which in, in, uh, if you translate it, is the valley of weeping. They spread out his enemies spread out in the valley of weeping. So David asked the Lord, should I go out and fight these Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied, yes, go ahead. I love how God talks. He says, yes, go ahead with your bad self. Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Perez and defeated the Philistines there. Then he said, the Lord did it. David exclaimed, and he burst through my enemies like a raging flood. He named that place Bela Perez, which means the Lord who burst through. I don't know who's surrounded in this room today. I don't know who's standing on your mountain, having already killed the giant Goliath in the stronghold with your mighty men and here comes the enemy the bible says that the enemy showed up with all their forces i know i know sometimes it's just a one or two but have you ever been surrounded by all your enemies at once have you have you ever thought well thank god it's just this and then it was this and that and get with this too and over here there's a little the bible says that when david was anointed to be king now now notice that he wasn't anointed to be preacher because i think a lot of times we hear this word anointing and we think that it only comes uh, for preachers and and if you don't know what the word anointing means it's something that that will say and something that's in the bible where they would they would pour oil over the head of the person that had a job to do and this oil was representation of the lord's power over their life and whenever they would pour the oil they would say man the lord is sticking with that person Almost as if that oil, you know, I don't know if you've ever spilled oil. We, we spilled, I got a whole bunch of beard oil in the mail at Amazon. And 
I, I slipped in the cabinet and spilt all over the ground, and I'm like, we're going to die. If someone get this oil up, I mean, it, it does not like to come up. I mean, and so this is the picture of the symbol of, of they would pour oil over the head of the person that was anointed. In other words, from that day on, that person was chosen by God to step into whatever environment they were, and God would stick to them like that oil and permeate who they were. I don't know about you, but I want this in my life. I, I want the power of God on me where you're trying to rub it off. I'm like, sorry, buddy. I don't stay. I'm slippery with you. The enemy tries to grab you like, no, I got the oil, man. I, I got the power of God all over my life. You can't, you can't burn me. And so David, the Bible says he was anointed. And this is the second time he's anointed. The first time he's anointed, he's just a boy. You know this story, right? Uh, maybe you don't. But, but Samuel is the prophet of God. And, and, and the people of God wanted a king, so they got a king. His name was Saul. He stood ahead, shoulders above everybody else. He was good-looking, handsome, but he had insecurity issues. Insecurity issues will always make you prideful. And pride will always rob you of full obedience and submission to God. Saul could not submit to God because he thought he knew better because he had earned it because insecurity was there. The Bible says even when they found Saul, he was hiding amongst the baggage. They were trying to anoint him. He's hiding in this back room. Well, that baggage room was the arsenal room. It was the weapon room. Saul was in the midst of weapons, but yet afraid. And Saul, God, God says, Saul, I've rejected him. He did not have obedience. The key to life is obedience to the father. And uh, he says, I've rejected him. So, so he tells Samuel, the prophet, he says, you've got to go anoint another king. So he's got like this horn and he's just, he's anointed. So, I mean, this horn is powerful, filled with oil. And he sneaks out in the middle of the night and goes to the house where he feels like God has called him to. It's the house of Jesse, just a peasant, just a, another guy. He goes to the house of Jesse with this horn of oil. And he's like, talks to Jesse, he says, God has called me to anoint the next king. He said, don't tell anyone I'm here. Saul will kill me if he knows I'm here. His insecurity and his pride. Pride and insecurity will always kill the anointed. And, and so, so, so it's, it's there. And, and he says, look, I, I need you to pull your sons in. I need you to do it quickly. So, he, so the father starts bringing the sons in. He brings his first son in, his oldest son. He's handsome. He's tall. All of Jesse's sons were handsome for some reason. I don't know. Uh, you know but they're handsome and tall. And, 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 and so he goes, and even Samuel goes, that must be it. So he gets ready to anoint the eldest brother, and he hears God goes, no, it's not him. And, and then he goes, what do you mean, God? He looks, looks like a king. And he goes, I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. Man judges the outside, but I judge the heart. He says, not him. So he goes, do you have any other sons? So, so five or six sons, they keep calling in sons. And he keeps saying, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. And he goes, do you have anyone else? And, and the father goes, well, I mean, David is out there in the, with the sheep. I mean, someone's got to stay with the sheep. He's, he's ruddy. I mean, he's kind of he's rugged. He's got like a 10 o'clock shadow. I mean, but he's handsome. You know, I mean, they kept saying David was handsome. If you read in the Bible, David must have been handsome. You know what I'm saying? Even the giant, when he's looking at David, he's like, he's ruddy, he's small, he looks like a dog, but he's kind of handsome. <laughs> so, if you're, you know, don't worry if you're short, you can still be handsome. Praise God. And so, and so you know... <laughs> kind of rugged he's got a harley shirt on he's got a man but he's kind of handsome you know <laughs> david comes in and, and and literally all the brothers have been waiting he said we won't eat we're not going to sit down until david gets here 
You know the people that have rejected you? God will make them wait on you showing up to the party. Even if you're late, the party can't start till you get there, baby. It's the eyes of God that matter, not the eyes of man. Not even the prophet. It's the eyes of God that matter. And the prophet, David comes in, he's just this little boy. And I don't even know if you know what hit him, but the prophet just, boom, dumps his big horn of oil. He's dripping down. He's ruddy. I mean, dude, he must have looked awesome. He's, he's good looking. He's got this oil all over him. And, 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 and the Bible says that the Lord was with him from that day forward. Then he just goes back to being a shepherd. He's back in the fields. He's got this oil. He's like, what, what just happened? I, I, just, I just got anointed by some weird man. We can't tell anyone. My brothers all hate me now. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't already the runt, now I'm really the runt. Like, and he's out there with the sheep. The brothers go to war. He's bringing some sandwiches and cheese to his brothers. But he's anointed. When you're anointed, it doesn't matter if you're carrying sandwiches and cheese. He's anointed. He's, bringing, he's just being faithful. He's bringing, he's bringing lunch to his brothers. And he sees the giant. And God, look, this is what I want to tell you. God will anoint you in private, but there's a giant, giant coming. And God will use the giant to accelerate the anointing that's on your life, to prove the anointing that's on your life. He's going to anoint you in private, but there will be a giant in the public that he's going to use. See, the giant to David wasn't a problem. It was acceleration. As soon as that giant was gone, David went from being a boy to being the hero of the city. Let me tell you this. You've been anointed in private. No one knows it. People look at you and go, I don't know. But there's a residue on you. There's, and, and look, David wasn't anointed to be a preacher. <laughs> to all those like, man, well, that's cool for you, pastor. No, no. He was anointed to be a king. What's your kingdom? Is, is it an app? Is it social media? Is it, is it a movie? Is it, is it clothing? Is it, what are you anointed for? Because if he could be anointed to be king, could you be anointed to be a model? You're walking in and people are like, I don't know what that is, but there's like God's on her life. God's on his life. Doesn't fit the part. Doesn't make sense. But there's something about them. Could it be that you, the, the, the entrepreneurial business that you're trying to start has it, been anointed? Could it, could it be that God has planned this before you were born? Could it be that he anointed you in private and he brings you out in public and there's power in you? There's authority in you? That giant David didn't face alone. He was anointed. He had oil on him. God has anointed you in private, but he will allow you to face giants in public. But once you're anointed, you don't see giants the same way. But this is not that time. That's over 20 years ago at this point. David is now in a cave. His friends are now these rough thugs. I mean, they're in debt. They're destitute. I mean, Fearless LA is in the cave with him. I mean, they're rugged. They'll cut you if you look at them wrong. David's hanging out with this crew. They make him their king, right? Misfits will always find a misfit leader. Just let you know I'm a misfit. So if you're here, I just, I'm just letting you know who you are. And we're in the cave together. And the Bible says 20 years later, after he's killed giant, the giant, I mean, you, you picture, you know the sword David carried around. You know, to protect himself, he's carrying the sword of Goliath. I mean, it's just like from his head to his feet, just walking his ear. You know, it's like, this is David. He's handsome. He's got a giant sword hanging off his back. And he's got all these crazy giant warriors around. And they said one of them could take out a thousand men with his hand. These are the kind of homies he's hanging out with. 
They're in the stronghold. They're, they're being, God is transforming them here. He's changing them here. And all of a sudden God goes, okay, it's time. You had your first anointing in private. You, I, I poured out over you in private. Now I'm going to pour out over you in public. He's anointed a second time. Public anointing. Now let me tell you this. The private anointing will bring one giant to the valley. But the public anointing will bring the rest of them. David comes out to the cave after he's been publicly anointed. And the giants aren't in the land saying, we're going to take your land. They're saying, we're going to take you. And they're not there to take Israel. They're there to take David out. I, I say this because a lot of us want a public anointing. We want, a, we want, a, we want our, our power, the power of God in our life to flow publicly. But, but let me tell you this. You might see something publicly you want, but you don't know what they've been through privately. You don't know how many private anointings and private valleys they've had to conquer giants in to be able to even handle the wherewithal for a valley full of giants. Man, I would love to be that guy owning that business, man. I mean, if I could be Elon Musk and just, and just own Tesla and just shoot off rockets every once in a while, that would be pretty cool, man. I mean, maybe I could come up with it in my mom's backyard, you know, in her basement. You know, you have no clue what it took to be, to, to, it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to fight some battles to stand here. You have to fight some battles. People come up to me all the time, man, I wish I could do what you do, man. I would love to go just preach the gospel. I'm like, dude, preaching the gospel is like 1% of what I do with my life. This is when the lemon finally gets all the way squeezed out. I stand in front of valleys of giants. I thought I wanted this. you can't handle one giant in the land, don't come after all of them. And he's standing there. And they're there because he's been anointed. You will be attacked because you've been anointed. You, you will, there will be a drawing to you, but it won't be to help you. It won't always be to lift your hand. If you're wondering why the attack got stronger, just remember that the anointing draws the flies... David's sitting there and they're there because he's been anointed. But because he's been anointed, he knows that his strength is not in him alone. Because as soon as the giants get there, he goes to the place that I'm telling you to go today. When the valley of weeping is full of giants, don't come down from the mountain yet. Go back to the stronghold. David said this, this is how I fight my battles. And he went and got in the stronghold with God. He, he went and got in the shelter with God. And he said, look, I'm not trying to be a disobedient person. I'm not trying to do my own thing. I'm not trying to live my own. God, what do you want from me? Would you like me to go out? If you want me to go out, I won't hold back. If you want me to stay in, I'll stay in. God, my life is not my own. I've been anointed for this moment. And God says, go out, I'll give them to you. He goes out, the Bible says, like a raging flood, God comes through and destroys his enemy. They run so fast that they leave their idols in the battlefield. <laughs> they brought their God to war. I guess their God didn't work, so they just, 
ran off. The Bible says that David and his men capture all their idols and they ground them down and light them on fire. They melt down the value out of the values and use it for themselves. They're there and they're free. But the story doesn't end there. David proclaims, because I was in the stronghold, because I was anointed, no, no, because you were with me, you came in as God of the breakthrough. I don't know if you've ever experienced him as God of the breakthrough. You cannot until there's some valleys, some weeping valleys that you could run from, but you run to. He, he wants to reveal himself as God of the breakthrough in the area of sickness. He wants to reveal himself as God of the breakthrough in the area of your finances. He, he wants to reveal himself by allowing everybody to reject you as God of the breakthrough in acceptance. He wants to reveal to you in the midst of hate, full love. And he reveals himself. He says, God, you are the God of the breakthrough. But that is just huh, half of what he wants you to learn in this valley. For as long as we live, the giants will fill the valley back up. Because in verse 22, it says, but after a while, the Philistines returned and again, mm. spread out across the valley of Rephim. I don't know if you've seen God's breakthrough in your life once, only to have the thing you thought you destroyed back staring at you again. I don't know if you've ever defeated fear, so you thought. Stole their gods and melted them down and said, this place belongs to the Lord. Felt good about what happened, only to see them return after a while. It's in this place that you could mix, miss the full reward of what God wants to teach you in the valley of weeping. Because David went again to the stronghold. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, go back to the stronghold. And he asked the Lord, what should I do? And the Lord said, do not attack them straight on. I know you can handle God's yes, but can you handle God's no? <laughs> Not yet. Wait on it. I got a different plan. I know, I know you can handle God's yes, because yes is always the right answer. But when, what do you do when God says, no, wait, I got something better? I know in my life what I do most of the time is, are you kidding me? I'm freaking out like, you know, no, why, why wouldn't it be yes? I don't see any other reason for it to be the same thing that happened. I like that. I like, I like how we, we came in like a raging flood. Can we do that again? Can we, can we drown them? And God's like, no, we got a different plan. In other words, do you trust me? To not do it the same time, the same way? Do you trust me? To author something new and God says this to David something that doesn't make sense at all he says instead don't tack them head on circle around behind them and attack them near the poplar tree somebody say poplar now the poplar trees are not very popular there's a you missing it means you're going there alone 
This would be nice if you were here. No, you is not in this. This is not popular. The poplar trees is where God tells him to go. And he says, when you hear a sound like marching feet on the top of the trees, be on the alert. That will be a signal, the Lord said, that I'm moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. Or we could say it like this, that will be a signal to tell you I'm moving ahead to strike down sickness. That will be a signal to you to tell you I'm moving ahead to strike down lack. That will be a, a signal to tell you I'm moving ahead to strike down fear. But, but wait for my signal and go stand amongst the poplar trees. Now, now, let me just say it this way. The poplar trees are the whole reason why this valley is called the valley of weeping. It's because the poplar trees are not fun to walk through. In fact, there was a certain place in, in Jerusalem that was set up where the only way you could get to the holy city was to journey through the poplar trees. That, that's, why, that's why it says when they, when they go through the valley of weeping, it will become a place, place of refreshing because, because it's not about the journey, it's about where the journey leads you to. Sometimes in life, the only path you have is through pain. I hate, to, I, hate, I hate to burst your bubble that even if you're a believer, even if you love God, e even if God is for you, even if you give, even if you serve, the only path sometimes is not to take your enemy head on, but God will lead you. God is leading them through the poplar trees, through the thorns and the thistles. Through the, you, you could not walk through the poplar trees and, and not first walk slowly, second walk carefully. And third, experience pain often. I don't know who's here today that God has, God has said, no, not head on this time. I, I'm going to use something different. I'm, I'm going to take you through the poplar trees. God, why'd you heal me last time, but you're not healing me this time? Why'd you bring a check in the mail last time, but there is no check in the mail this time? I've lost my job now. I've lost my house now. I've lost my relationships now. Where'd you go, God? And God says, I, I have a plan. This, I'm not bringing you through here to hurt you. I'm bringing you through here for strategy. It's a difference. God is not mean. He's using this. God doesn't waste the pain. He doesn't waste the hurt. It was Jesus who was in the garden and said, no, not the poplar trees. No, just any, way, any other way but the pop. And, God, and all of a sudden he realized there's only one path. Okay, God. I have to go through death to give them life. I have to go through pain to bring them healing. That hurts. Oh, you, you see, you've seen the pain in his eyes. Mel Gibson tried to paint it for us, but that, that was just a dim comparison to the pain that he went through walking slow. Not through the popular trees, because at the cross there was only three. His mom and the disciple he loved and some lady that was a prostitute that gave her life to Jesus. Because in the poplar trees, you'll be there alone. Trusting God alone. It's dark where the poplar trees are. They go about 150 feet high. And their leaves are searching for sun. So they cover the canopy. So there's sun up there. There's darkness in here. Have you, have you ever been where there should be light but now there's darkness? 
where, where there should be promise. But now you used to be running. You, you ran into battle last time. Now you're still going into battle. You're, you're still on your way to your promise. But you, you have to walk slow now. Ow! I wonder if maybe I was hearing things maybe I went the wrong way maybe maybe I'm gonna die in here maybe God's forgotten me have you ever been in the poplar trees and God tells David he says when you're in the poplar trees don't look down don't look around you know where he tells him look look up why look up because because I just want to let you know I want to remind you subtly I want to remind you that, that you didn't hear me wrong. You, when I said no, I, I'm still with you, even as strong as when I said yes. And, uh, I'm here. And when you see the rustling of the top, when you see the leaves moving, I'm, I'm going to burst forth a little bit of light through it. Whenever you see the leaves rustling, you know I'm, I'm going ahead of you. You're not even having to fight your battle. I'm on the way before you. I, I'll take your enemy out before you ever get there. And you see the trees rustling. You can know that this pain isn't wasted. And don't forget to weep in the valley of weeping. Ah. Psalms 126. For those that sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out carrying and weeping carrying seeds to sow will return with songs and joy let me tell you this poplar trees they grow up fast they grow quick but they also die fast as you're walking through the poplar and you're crying tears don't forget you're also carrying seeds you're carrying his word you're carrying his promises you're carrying his yes and amen you're carrying his already finished don't forget while you're crying to sow in this ground because what right now holds the poplar tree will eventually hold the fruit of your destiny what used to hold the pain will now hold the promise don't forget to sow while you're hurting sow while you're sick sow while you're in hell and high water sow while they reject you sow in other words give a shout of praise while you're walking through pain give a shout of praise of thanksgiving while you're walking through hurt know that he hasn't left you it's not that he's left you he just stands above the darkness he's on top of the trees he's allowing you to walk through this because it's not the trees that need to be removed it's who you used to be that needs to be removed he's removing the disobedience out of you he's putting trust in you faith in you i love the poplar trees because they use the poplar trees for two things when they cut them down number one they make shields out of them. The shield of faith was a door made out of poplar wood. What is God doing as he takes you through this forest? He's giving you future shields. He's giving you future things that will, faith, that will help you walk through the unseen. Number two, they use poplar wood for the base of paintings. One that I can tell you about that they used was the Mona Lisa. They used poplar wood. I wonder what God's going to paint 
through the pain that he chops down in your life. You got to go through it first so that God could show that he was, he was greater than what was in the world. You, you got to walk through it, but you don't have to walk through it alone like everybody else wandering through the poplar trees. You don't have to look down at the thorns. You can look up and know that your God has anointed you for this. He's prepared you for this. He's put life and destiny in you. And it's a strategy. It's a strategy. He's sneaking you around the backside. See, your enemy knows the believers that have come before you. As long as it's easy, they'll be okay. But God's got a, a warrior inside of you that's not afraid to go through some pain to take your enemy out. God's sneaking you up around the backside. God, God's not going to make the enemy run and flee. He's, he's, got you, he's got a plan for this. Your enemy's not even going to see you coming. You're going to pop out of the poplar trees. And what used to be a crawl is now going to be a run. What used to be a walk is now going to be... Oh, there's something new coming in you when you get through this. But don't throw up your hands and die because this is just a season. It's just temporary. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What, what is so heavy in your life that God goes, what I got for you <laughs> is going to way outweigh. What feels so heavy to you is lightweight to God. God has yes and amens. You know, when I look at these trees, I... I find that the trees, they can teach us something. Because the trees live in this place. So I can learn from something that lives here. There are two things that kill a poplar tree. The first thing is called wet wood. It's when bacteria finds a soft place in the heart of the tree. And it seeps in from the inside it moves out it messes up the sap that is once sweet and turns it sour it's a bacteria the bacteria in the poplar tree that kills it starts on the inside ruins the sap that has purpose for the outside and is contagious if another tree touches this bacteria what's on the outside of this tree will get on the inside of the other be careful in the valley of weeping if you're going to survive be careful that in the valley of pain bacteria does not get in your heart offense does not get in your heart anger does not get in your heart and be careful to be around people who are offended and angry and bitter because if it's already on the inside of them it's contagious to the outside of you Number two, how they die, it's called canker. From the cracks and the broken parts and the wounds, growth begins to happen. But it's not good growth. It's just growth. Did you know that in your body, muscles and tumors can both grow? Muscles take time, take energy, take pain, take effort. But tumors grow overnight one you want one you don't want be careful what grows in your wounds be careful what grows in your hurts
Because not all growth, oh, I'm just a stronger person now, I just dealt with it. No, 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 there's growth there, but it's not the right kind of growth. Because this fungus will stop the life and the water from getting to this tree and kill it, not from the inside out, kill it from the outside in. Be careful when you're going through pain, who you allow to plant in your cracks. If you're wounded a certain way, don't get around someone that's wounded the same way. Don't allow their hurt to grow in your place. Start asking the Holy Spirit, heal up this wound. Heal up these hurts. You know how these trees survive? They survive through constant pruning of dead, broken, or diseased branches. If you're going to survive through the valley of pain, you have to constantly say, God, prune off all the deadness in me. Prune off all the brokenness. Prune off all the disease. And they constantly treat themselves with fungicide in the spring to prevent fungus in the winter. In other words, when it's going good, ask the Lord to wash over you things that will prevent things that are coming in the future. Ask the Lord to begin to prepare you now. I don't have any wounds. I'm doing great. Well, prepare me, God, because wounds are coming. Hurts coming. Rejection's coming. Prepare me that nothing grows in these wounds. And if you're here today and you can learn anything from the poplar trees, it's that life is short. You grow fast. Poplar trees seek sun and water. How do I make it through this valley of pain? I seek the sun and keep getting water. How do I water? My tears. There's no rains coming. Your tears are watering your seeds. Your tears are what? It's okay to cry. It's okay to open up your heart and say, God, I, I'm so tired. I'm so weary. And God will say, I don't need you to repent. I need you just to trust me. I need you to follow me. I need you to walk with me. And I'm bringing you around the backside where they didn't even see you coming. You pop out and your enemy will be put on the run in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.